Christian white people ruin everything. The Taliban are enjoying our weapons and using them to kill gays. And we need to talk about Frederick Nietzsche before it's too late. This is your favorite night of the week. It's the deep end on Tim Hatch Live. Miss the deep end on Tim Hatch Live. Season five, episode two. Episode duh. Yes, that's where we are, everybody. Season five, episode two. The deep end is on Tuesday night. The deep dive is tomorrow night. Tonight, we talk about the news. We talk about commentary in the news. We talk about what's going on in the world, and there's a lot to talk about. But before we get to that, could you do me the solid favor of getting over to youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live and make sure that you like the video. Make sure that you click the subscribe button. Make sure that you click that notification bell. Always get updated as to when we go live right to your smartphone. That's where we want to be. We want to be where you are and you're on your smartphone. You're probably on your smartphone right now. And here we are. So on the deep end, we talk on Tuesday nights at 7.30 about all the things that are happening in the world. And there's a lot to talk about, as I just said, and we're going to get into it. So it's time for that moment that you've been waiting for, the Deep End News. Deep End News. News and views that don't make us news. Yeah, we're going to talk about what's going on in the world of ridiculous news. So uh, pardon the several bumpers in a row, but I just love these bumpers. So here we go. Ridiculous. White people, you really have ruined the world. This coming from the Federalist uh, newspaper or Federalist website. Uh, they are actually reporting on a news article that appeared in the New York Times written by a guy named Charles M. Blow. I've talked about uh, Charles M. Blow on this show before, but this guy really has it out for white people and Christian people. And so the article in the New York Times is about how homophobia in black men is actually caused by you guessed it, white supremacy. White supremacy ruins everything. White supremacy is the reason why everything is bad. Anything that's bad, anything that's bad is bad because of white supremacy. Charles M. Blow says that there's homophobia in black men. And yes, white people, you caused it. He wrote in the New York Times, and this article on The Federalist that you're seeing on the screen is talking about the ridiculousness of that New York Times article. The New York Times article is called The Anti-Gay Agenda. And he found out that, yes, uh, the white people are to blame for homophobia amongst black men. Now, Blow, full disclosure, is a bisexual, okay? And he's filled with angst at the rejection of his, I guess, fellow black brethren for his sexuality. Now, the facts are these, ladies and gentlemen, that black people tend to be far more socially conservative than white people. They tend to favor traditional marriage far more than white people, and they're far more against abortion than white people. But, but all that, Charles M. Blow says, has been caused by white people. White people, we can't do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> he writes in the New York Times. Now, check this out. He says, in a society that treats racism as a sport, which I didn't even know. I, I didn't know that racism was a sport in this society. I've heard of the uh, NBA. I've heard of the NHL. I've heard of the NFL. I have not heard of the NRL, the National Racism League. But eventually, evidently, it's out there. Charles Amblow, anyway, in a society that treats racism as a sport, in which each racial group is jockeying against the others. I didn't even know that was happening, too. All of them shouted by a culture of white supremacy linked with misogyny. Anything that reduces your percentage of straight males or feminizes them is seen as weakening the race. Blow added that black homophobes are doing the work of the white supremacist 
patriarchy. You got that? So if a black person believes in traditional marriage, which all of human history believed in up until six years ago, uh, that black person has been the victim of white supremacist patriarchy. Now, Charles M. Blow is parroting a a narrative that is very common amongst the uh, liberal elites on the coasts of, of uh, New York and California. Uh, CNN Don Lemon said in 2011, uh, quote, I think there is a large segment of the black community, a big segment of the black community that are homophobic and it has a lot to do with religion. So there we go. There we have it. Now it's white people and religion, white people and religion. And these hideous homophobes are to blame for Everything that's wrong in the world. Now, the question has to be asked, where do these ideas come from? Now, you're never going to believe this, and this is why you got to tune into the show. And this is why I try to tie everything together, right? We've got to talk about the narrative. When Paul says we wrestle against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, I believe that there are literal spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. I believe they're up there, out there, in here, somewhere. You know, they're all over. And they all kind of work together. They all kind of correlate to come at the truth, the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. And we Christians cannot be oblivious to this. We cannot be ignorant to this. Anyway, where do the ideas that black homophobia is the result of white supremacist patriarchy? Where do those ideas come from? Guess where? The CDC. <laughs> Center for Disease Control. Further reason why Christians need to wake up and do their own research and figure stuff out for themselves. Yes, the CDC's website, which basically has been running the COVID-19 narrative for the last 20 months, has an entire page on it devoted to uh, a subject called HIV and African-American people. Now, again, HIV and African-American people. Why isn't it just HIV and people? Why is it HIV and African-American? Is there an HIV and Asian people? Is there an HIV and white people page? No, but there is this HIV and African-American people page because according to the statistics, uh, black people make up 42% of the 37,000 plus new HIV diagnoses in the U.S. Uh, and dependent areas in 2018. In other words, homophobia too is the reason because look what it says down at the bottom of this page on the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, homophobia can make it difficult for some African-American people to be open about risk-taking behaviors which can increase stress, limit social support, and negatively affect health. These factors may prevent some African-American people from accessing HIV prevention and care services. In other words, in other words, Christians, it's your homophobia. It's you not agreeing with this is a good, natural, normal, actually very positive way to live that is causing particularly black people to have astonishing high rates of HIV. So if you're not keeping score, here's how it goes. White people plus Christianity equals homophobia, which produces black men with HIV. That's the scoreboard. That's the deal. Now, never mind the facts that believing that marriage is between a man and a woman has been the reality, again, of all human history for all of human history up until six years ago. Thanks to, hmm, who was the president advocating for the, the Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriage? Oh, it was President Barack Obama, a black president. Hmm. So is he the result of white supremacy and patriarchy? This does not make sense. But the fact, the facts are these. They are twisted. They are twisted and they are angled by the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms to produce this narrative. And I want to show you how. In a relevant news piece on the CDC, I bring you to an article uh, at thechristianpost.com. The title of the article is The CDC and Pandemic 
propaganda. And it was written by a guy named Ryan Bomberger. He writes for a lot of news outlets. And thank God for this Christian man writing in a lot of news articles, uh, in a, new, a lot of news uh, venues and outlets today. He writes about Barnstable, Massachusetts, Barnstable County, Massachusetts, my home state of Barnstable uh, of Massachusetts, the, the county Barnstable has been issued new CDC guidelines that strongly recommended, see it, strongly recommended everyone wear masks indoors based on what happened there this summer, okay? So something happened in Barnstable County, Massachusetts. So everybody now should wear masks. The CDC report starts off during July 2021, 469 cases of COVID-19 associated with multiple summer events. What are those events? And large public gatherings in the town of Barnstable County, Massachusetts, or county, right, were identified among Massachusetts residents. The thing that's odd, says Ryan Bomberger, is that the CDC never mentions the town name. The town is Provincetown. Anybody from Massachusetts, anybody really from the East Coast, (laughs) let's be honest, anybody from America knows what Provincetown is all about. It's considered a gay mecca to tens of thousands of homosexual men and women. In fact, the whole town's charter of commerce confirms such a description stating on its website that LGBTQA plus visitors are a major component of Provincetown's tourism economy and continue to make Provincetown one of uh, the top GLBT destinations in the world. I can never understand all of these acronyms. uh, Can you? Uh, so this is from the CDC's website. Let's take a look at it because it all ties together. Um, let me get right into my notes. It's because this all ties together. Outbreak of SARS-CoV-2 infections, including COVID-19 vaccine breakthrough infections associated with large public gatherings. Again, large public gatherings. Uh, again, large public gatherings in Barnstable County, Massachusetts. Okay, what were, what were those gatherings? <laughs> uh, it says that there were just public gatherings, but what they don't report, and this is why you need to do your own research, is what Ryan Bomberger talks about in the article. Let's read it further. Never mentioned in the CDC report is the fact that Bear Week, (laughs) Bear Week was the summer event at the center of the spread. Bear Week is celebrated by Provincetown Tourism as, quote, the largest gathering of bears, that is, hairy and often overweight gay men in the world, (laughs) sorry, I shouldn't be laughing, where tens of thousands come to Provincetown during this annual July event. The website proudly proclaims, you never know what you're going to get into when you attend. By getting into, they mean a week-long orgy among thousands of strangers. So you had a week-long orgy of fat gay men in Provincetown, (laughs) Massachusetts, and uh, the rest of the county has to pay for it because there was an outbreak of COVID infections and uh, no one died. Seven or eight people were hospitalized. But now the rest of the county has to pay for the indiscretions of this fat man orgy. Um, uh, Ryan Barberger goes on in the article and he, and he writes this. Years ago, I started researching and reporting on America's STD epidemic. I quickly noticed how the CDC's capitulation on basic medical facts existed. He said the agency's 2012 report on exponential increases in STDs among homosexual men blamed the high rates of STDs on, you guessed it, homophobia. So in a society that has radically increased acceptance of all things LGBTQ, we're supposed to believe that homophobia explains the increase in infection rates? Rates increase for heterosexuals too, albeit at lower numbers. Is that due to heterophobia? Or could it possibly be personal behavior? As with, and I love this last line from Ryan Bobberger, as with the evangelists of critical race theory, someone else 
Some structure, some nebulous systemic evil is always to blame. Personal responsibility is anathema to those pushing poisonous political ideologies. Um, well said, Ryan Bobberger, because this is where we are headed. This is, the, this is the cultural moment that we are in right now. I'll put it back up on the screen for you. This is the moment. Uh, white people plus Christianity equals homophobia, and homophobia produces black men with HIV. And uh, the CDC uh, fails to mention why new mask mandates and recommendations are in place. You know, it's, it's like uh, white, uh, white rapper Vanilla Ice once said so well. He said, if there is a problem, yo, we caused it. <laughs> Christian white people. Okay. If there's a problem, yo, we caused it. Racism is in, ladies and gentlemen. Racism is in as long as it's anti-white racism. Um, religious intolerance is in as long as it's anti-Christian uh, intolerance, right? The only acceptable form of bigotry is to demonize white people and Christian people. And the facts are these, that the largest percentage of Christians in the world are non-white people. It's funny how people call Christianity the white man's religion when it's actually white people are in the minority, the vast minority of Christianity worldwide. We think it's a Christian majority religion because of the West, because of Europe and America, but across the world, the minority members of Christianity are white. But anyway, this is the narrative now. Christian people are becoming the enemies of the state. White people, especially white Christian people, are becoming the enemies of state. And, and it's funny because it's like we have this, this, this Christophobia in our world. We do. We have Christophobia and we have this faith phobia. Like since we're all into like naming things with obias at the end of them or phobias, <laughs> homophobia, xenophobia, right? Um, maybe we Christians should come up with our own like Christophobia and faith phobia because isn't it, hasn't it been true for the last 20 months uh, that, that you aren't afraid of COVID? Shame on you. You have faith and not fear? Shame on you. You should be afraid. I, I'm faith-phobic. <laughs> uh, this is where we are. It's pretty amazing, too. It's kind of like scriptures becoming true in our age. We, we really are living in the most amazing time that I've ever experienced in my 45 years of life. 45 tomorrow, by the way. Big day tomorrow, everyone. Mark it on your calendars. My birthday. <laughs> Join us for the deep dive. But it's pretty amazing, though, because we are jettisoning Christianity. We are jettisoning faith from our culture. The values that made us a society are now considered the enemies of our society. We are, in many respects, like the ancient Israelites in the book of Judges, who after God gave them prosperity and success in the promised land, they jettisoned the law of God. They removed it. They, they cast it aside and started to embrace the ideologies of the pagan nations around them. And God handed them over to their enemies again and again and again. We've had COVID. We've had the financial crisis of 2008. We had 9-11. We've had now for uh, the past couple of years, these serious climate uh, these climate disasters, uh, Katrina, earthquakes, even this past week, Ida. We, we need to pray for the, the people that are suffering uh, in our country. We don't rejoice over this, but it just seems like, it just seems like we are living the narrative of scripture in 2021 America. Uh, feels like we're in a black hole, isn't it? You get this feeling like you're being sucked into a black hole. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of our president, I want to take us to the deep end commentary. Let's go. When you, when you don't, don't know, know what to do. 
Okay, the deep end commentary today is a continuation of last week's deep end commentary, which is the Biden experiment. I talked about the Biden effect last week. Now is the Biden experiment. We are in a national experiment with President Joe Biden, who continues to live up to the expectations of those who knew him, who worked with him, and even those who hated him. What are those expectations? The expectations that he would be a terrible and incapable commander in chief. I want to give you a couple of examples. Did you know that in 2010, uh, Osama bin Laden wrote a letter informing his subordinates not to target Joe Biden, then vice president, for assassination? I kid you not. Do you know why Osama bin Laden didn't want to kill Joe Biden? Because he said if he ever became president, that Joe Biden would cause a national crisis for America. Yeah, yeah. And in November, our country followed Osama bin Laden's advice. I want to put a picture of the letter here on the screen for you, translated into English. Uh, just the highlighted portions. This is Osama bin Laden's word, words to his uh, associates for, for targeting Obama and Petraeus there. At the top, you can see there, tar target Obama and Petraeus. Um, but don't. They are not to target visits by U.S. Vice President Biden, Secretary of Defense Robert Gates, uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he goes on to those. Uh, the, the groups will remain on the lookout for Obama and Petraeus, and then he continues down. He says, Biden is totally unprepared for that post, which will lead the U.S. into a crisis. But that's Osama bin Laden, Tim. Like, come on, you know, that's Osama bin Laden. He hates America. He, he, okay, okay. Well, uh, Robert Gates is mentioned in that, uh, in that email or letter from Osama bin Laden. Uh, what did Robert Gates, the defense secretary under President Obama, say about his good friend, Joe Biden? Watch this. I was rereading your memoir before we sat down to talk. And you said in your memoir, Joe Biden is impossible not to like. Quote, He's a man of integrity, incapable of hiding what he really thinks, and one of those rare people you know you could turn to for help in a personal crisis. And you know what I'm about to read to you. Still, I think he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Would he be an effective commander-in-chief? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think... I stand by that statement. I stand by that statement. Robert Gates, defense secretary for President Obama, said Joe Biden would be a disaster as a commander in chief, was wrong on every foreign issue for the last 40 years. Oh, and by the way, did you know that Obama during the 2020 campaign said the one guy that doesn't get it is Joe Biden? In another famous quote, he's often uh, related to, he said, Never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to blank things up. And I'll let you and your imagination fill in the blank. Well, it would seem that Obama, Osama bin Laden, sorry, Osama bin Laden was completely correct about Joe Biden, that he would cause a national crisis because we are facing one right now in Afghanistan. Uh, I want to put up on the screen a list here of the Taliban's new arsenal, courtesy of $85 billion worth of American weapons. Okay. These are the commandeered weapons, 22,000 Humvees, 8,000 trucks, 162,000 radios, 16,000 night vision goggles, 360,000 assault rifles, 126,000 pistols, 33 helicopters, 33 Black Hawk helicopters, 43 MD-530 helicopters. I mean, planes, helicopters, tanks, trucks, guns, 
$85 billion worth paid for by you, whether you voted for Biden or Trump or no one, you paid for that. You paid for the Taliban to get their hands on that because of the disastrous pullout of American troops from the nation of Afghanistan. And uh, this is, I guess, Joe Biden's version of America is back. I mean, I hate to meddle in political presidential candidating here, but these are your tax dollars. And no matter who you voted for, you should care about this. You really should care about this. So I was thinking about this. When you have Robert Gates, Obama and Osama bin Laden say the same thing about Joe Biden, Robert Gates, his friend, Obama, his employer, and Osama bin Laden, his enemy. When your friend and your employer and your enemy all say the same thing about you, it's probably true. It's probably true. We do not have a president that is capable of leading us in this moment. Again, we need to pray. We can't just complain, guys. We can't just complain. We've got to pray and pray that God puts people in his ear or, or exposes the liars or whatever. I don't know. I'm kind of praying both. Expose the liars and put people in his ear that will lead him in the right direction. I don't know. But I want to get to something about all this because some of you aren't upset enough about this. You're not upset enough about this. So maybe I could help make you upset because I want to talk to you specifically, you social justice warriors. Hey, social justice people, right? Equal rights, treating people with dignity and respect. Um, one of those helicopters that was commandeered by the Taliban that you paid for, it was used yesterday to hang a man above the country of Afghanistan and fly him around dead. This is what happened. Shocking video shows man hanging below Black Hawk helicopter flown by Taliban. Yes, social justice warriors, where are you? Where are your hashtags now? Where are you speaking up for those who are ostracized and marginalized? Do you care about them? Uh oh, let me take you to another article from Yahoo News, actually Pink News. The title of this article, Taliban cut man's body into pieces to, quote, show what they do with gay people. Where are you, social justice warriors? Where are you, Hollywood celebrities? Where are you, news commentators and Don Lemon? Where are you? Crickets. Where are the TikTok losers on this? Really, here's the reality. They only care about themselves. They only care about corrupting this country. They don't care about gay people in other countries getting mutilated and torn piece by piece. But you know what the church is doing? You know what the church is doing? The church actually is sending relief. The church is raising cash. The church is seeking out how to get our brothers and sisters out of Afghanistan. I know he's a Mormon, but Glenn Beck is seriously in the, engaged in doing this. He's doing it because he has faith in Christ. Right now, Samaritan's Purse, if you go to their website, this is what you'll see. Four disasters listed on the website. Hurricane Ida, desperate Afghans, emergency field hospitals in Haiti and um, disaster relief trucks rolling into Louisiana. So, so three, I said four, there's three main places that you can give to. By the way, I gave to the uh, Samaritan's Purse helping desperate Afghans, and you should too. This is what Christians do when disasters happen in their country or overseas. And we need to speak up and talk about it because I'm kind of tired of the narrative that Christianity is to blame for the bad things that happen in this world. So I thought about this too. Did you know that in Afghanistan, you actually have to put your religion on your ID card in Afghanistan? And for the last several years, as America has provided peace to those people, many of our Christian brothers and sisters in that country have been putting Christianity on their ID card proudly. And, they, and by the way, 
the, the Christian population in Afghanistan, largely in their 20s and 30s. What are 20 and 30 year olds doing in America? They're jettisoning the Christian religion because they fail to make the connection that all the peace and prosperity that they experience right now is the result of the Christian faith. So they're running away from it like the book of Judges. Meanwhile, in Afghanistan, where it actually hurts to be a Christian, the 20 and 30 year olds are flooding into the church. Like I said last week, it's the second fastest growing church in the world, the church in Afghanistan. I don't think so right now because of all this disaster caused by Joe Biden. But this is what happens. When church and Christianity actually cost you something, the young people flock to it. The problem with our country, with 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds leaving, is that Christianity doesn't cost them anything. In fact, it's been so vilified by entertainers and celebrities for so long, they actually think it's the problem with, it, with our world. So I went to the Samaritan's Purse, and I did give to this, and I want to challenge all of our deep enders. You give. Get over there now or find another reputable Christian organization that you can give to to help our Afghan brothers and sisters get out of that country. But I thought, you know what? I bet, I bet because the Taliban are cutting off uh, gay men's heads, I bet, you know, uh, the, the um, websites for uh, the gay and straight alliance, you know, like GLAAD and Gleason, I bet they're on their websites right now raising money for their persecuted brothers and sisters. Nope. This is the GLAAD website. Their website, this their website this morning was the summer of equality. Tell the U.S. Senate to send the Equality Act to President Biden's desk. They only care about political power and persuasion. They want to get that Equality Act passed so that they can further ostracize Christians in this country. How about Gleason or the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network? What's their website saying? This was this morning on their website. Oh, back to school. That's what it's all about. Nothing about giving to their Afghanistan brothers and sisters who are being chopped into bits. They're getting ready for the school year to indoctrinate more young people and more young seven-year-old girls into the idea that they must have been born in the wrong body. Here's some testosterone pills without telling your parents. That's what, that's what they're doing. This is not what Christians do. Oh, and you know what? Let's dig a little further. Let's get into a website that gets a lot of traction with the media and with celebrities. Let's head on over to blacklivesmatter.com. I did. They must be doing something about the suffering of the marginalized communities in that country, right? Because after all, Black Lives Matter considers themselves queer affirming. They want to empower transgenders in the cultural moment. So let's head on over and see what they have. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, no, they, they want President Biden to get military equipment out of our communities. They also want to abolish or shut down jails. Yeah. That's their agenda today as Afghanistan, Afghanistan people suffer the results of this disastrous president. <laughs> less military weapons, less police, less social order in our country, more weapons in the Taliban's hands. I guess this is the plan. I guess this is bizarro world. I guess this is what we're supposed to believe now is justice. I'm sick of the narrative, guys, and you should be too. I'm sick of the narrative, and I want you to reject it. Reject the narrative. What's the narrative? Here's the narrative. Christians are evil. Christianity is bad for the world. Christian men are the problem. The patriarchy. The Christian colonizers. Well, the results prove otherwise, friends. While pagans and progressives are serving themselves in their own political interests— it is Christian organizations that are flooding into Afghanistan to try and save people from devastation and disaster and death. Find me a hospital that was started by atheists. Find me an orphanage that was started by gays and lesbians. Find me a Republican or Democrat organization devoted to Hurricane Ida relief right now. Please, I'll wait. 
No, friend. Right now, the Church of Jesus Christ is doing those things. By the way, Convoy of Hope, the Assemblies of God outreach of, of, of Compassion Services, is right now on the ground in Hurricane in Louisiana helping re- with Ida uh, relief. It's time to speak up and act. It's time to speak up and act. And it's time to do. Because that's what Christians are. We're doers. We help when people hurt. We don't rejoice in the death of anyone. Gay, straight, black, white, no one. And when those people are hurting and they're our neighbors, we help them and we show them the love of Jesus regardless of what they believe. Because here's the reality, Christian brothers and sisters. In the conflict of ideas, which is what we're having right now in our society, in the conflict of ideas, true compassion, exemplified in loving action, will win. But I digress. The question is really, why is all of this happening? What's going on? And I want to give you the reason. We are by nature nihilists. We are by nature nihilists. What, what is a nihilist? That sounds like a fancy word, Tim. Uh, nihilist um, is a desire to self-destruct. Self-destruction. That's what nihilist really, really is. That is, if we will not destroy ourselves with drugs, alcohol, sex, or food addiction, we'll destroy ourselves with political policy. We'll destroy ourselves with cultural policy, cultural conversations. It's in our narrative. We're destroying young people's lives with this gender identity crisis. We are destroying our country by funding the Taliban and removing the police from our streets. We're destroying our culture. The very things that built us, we are removing and destroying. It's in our nature. It's in our sin nature to self-destruct. Christians should not be surprised by any of this. I want to talk about the founder of nihilism. His name is Friedrich Nietzsche. He lived from 1844 to 1900. Not a long life, and we we're just going to explain why he didn't live such a long life. He was a German philosopher. He was published extensively in the 1870s and 1880s, and he wrote about the death of God. He writes a short story called The Madman, a short story where a man rushes into the town square looking for God, and he says the famous line, God is dead, and we have killed him. And then he says, How shall we, the murderers of all murderers, comfort ourselves? Ironically, uh, Nietzsche was the son of a Lutheran pastor. Uh, He hated his father, and consequently, he hated God. And uh, the growth of the scientific uh, age of enlightenment, if you will, uh, had gradually made it impossible for him to maintain a a faith in God. So without God, he said, we're alone. We're exposed to the natural universe, devoid of comforting ideas of a God-given purpose to things. According to Nietzsche, the state of nihilism, the idea that life has no meaning or value, cannot be avoided. We must go through it as frightening and as lonely as that will be. It's kind of like Biden. You get this feeling like you're being sucked into a black hole. <laughs> this idea of nihilism or self-destruction is not just, though, that the world has no meaning— No, it was that we needed to let go of what gave us meaning in times past, i.e. Christianity, and form a new man-centered philosophy of meaning. So because of the Enlightenment, man needed a new way to find meaning. Now, this is the early ages of scientific discovery. This is the early stage. Like We've learned so much scientifically about about biology, about humanity, about about the mysteries of the universe— compared to when he lived, but his philosophy has really taken hold and and gripped the institutional structures of our society. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. So we need to jettison Christian faith as the foundation for meaning and, and what it means to be human, and we need to form a new way 
of finding meaning. He talked a lot about superior man. He wrote about this called Superman or, or in German, Übermenschen. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Übermenschen, uh, the idea of the, uh, of the future superior race who could rise above conventional Christian morality to create and impose his own values. He wrote that in Thus Spake Zarathustra. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing these words <laughs> to those of you who are scholars. By the way, someone in Germany got a hold of those ideas. Shortly after Friedrich Nietzsche died, his name was Adolf Hitler. And he believed that the superior race or the overhuman race was the Aryan race. And all other races needed to be eradicated. Hmm. Friedrich Nietzsche believed that God's death removes the threat of divine punishment. So now we are free to experiment with different ways to live, i.e. gender dysphoria, i.e. I am not in the right body, and to make mistakes along the way. So give us testosterone, give it to our children, sex change surgeries for 12-year-olds without parental consent. I think Joe Biden actually campaigned on that. He also said famously, all good things formerly, all good things were formerly bad things. Every original sin has turned into an original virtue. That's a direct quote from Friedrich Nietzsche. By the way, how did it end for Friedrich Nietzsche? It's gonna, his end is kind of like the predictions of our end, unfortunately. It didn't end well. He became a sexual pervert, just like our country's becoming. One day he collapsed on the streets of Turin and was taken to an asylum. And for the last 12 years of his life, he was insane. He became a madman. Ironically, he was cared for by a devoted Christian his mother, he eventually died of syphilis, completely insane. When you look at Friedrich Nietzsche's end, you discover that when people abandon the values of the scriptures and turn to the emptiness of this universe for meaning, they destroy themselves. I bring you to what Isaiah said, Isaiah, 50, Isaiah 5 verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Whoa. In other words, it's not going to go well for people who do these things. It's not going to go well for people who take what the scriptures give us, reject it, and turn to the emptiness of the universe and the human race. This is the Nietzsche experiment. Called it the Biden experiment, but it's really the Nietzsche experiment. That's where we are in our country right now. And I'm showing you more evidence right now of how fast it's moving in that direction. The chaplains of Harvard University got together and voted in a brand new head of chaplains for the university. Did they pick the Buddhist chaplain? No. Did they pick the Hindu or the Christian or the Catholic Chaplain? No. The Jewish rabbi? No. <laughs> You'll never believe what they did. The university chaplains of Harvard got together and unanimously voted in an atheist as the head of the chaplain committee at Harvard University. I kid you not. You can't make this stuff up. This is the bizarro world we're living in. From the Guardian, Harvard University's new chief chaplain is an atheist. Greg Epstein unanimously... <laughs> selected uh, by his fellow university chaplains. I want to be a positive force. Um, nothing against this guy, but why is a non-believer telling all the believing chaplains 
<laughs> what they should do and how they should treat people. <laughs> he said famously uh, in the um, in the article, we don't look to God for answers. We are each other's answers. Nietzsche. There's no way out. We are in trouble. <laughs> this is where we are. And it's kind of funny because the foundations of Harvard, if you know anything at all about hum- about Harvard history, you've got to understand that Harvard was actually founded by the grand- grandchildren of the Puritans who came to this country, the pilgrims and Puritans who came to this country to establish uh, a free Christian society. And they actually produced Harvard University, founded Harvard University for the education of ministers to go out into the colonies and preach the gospel. And you'll never believe what I found because I looked up some more stuff, some more stuff on the history of Harvard, and I found their original rules and precepts. This would have been their student handbook that they would have given to their students for incoming freshmen. The rules and precepts of Harvard uh, around you know 1780 or 1820 or whatever you will. Uh, here's what it is. Put it up on the screen. I want to bring you to, there's four things of many that are in this Uh, rules and precepts, but I put four on the screen. I want to bring your attention to two, three, and four. Number two says, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. I bring you now to number uh, three on the list. Look at this. Everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that he shall be ready to give such an account of his proficiency therein, both in theoretical observations of the language and logic and in practical spiritual truths. Like, Like that's their, that was their Rules and precepts. And then number four, oh my gosh, this you want to talk about prophecy coming fulfill, coming to pass in the modern age. That they eschewing all profanation of God's names, God's name, sorry, attributes, word, ordinance, and times of worship, do study with good conscience, carefully to retain God and the love of his truth in their minds, else let them know that, notwithstanding their learning, God may give them up to strong delusions and in the end to a reprobate mind. Holy smokes. This is Harvard University predicting what is happening right now 300 years ago or so. If the students of Harvard University jettisoned the word of God and the truth that is revealed in scriptures by Harvard University's founding own words, God is going to hand them over to a reprobate mind with strong delusions. And they mentioned 2 Thessalonians 2.11. We got the Bible open on the Bible cam, 2 Thessalonians 2.11. What does it say? Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. God does this in order that they may be condemned. Who? Who did not believe the truth? but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, now earlier, he says in verse 9, the coming of the lawless one. So this is the end times that, that Paul's looking at here in 2 Thessalonians 2. And he says, it's you know wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them the delusion. We're going to talk about this in Romans chapter 1 next week on the deep dive. You don't want to miss that. But you have to understand that when mankind rejects God and jettisons the word of God out of its out of their personal lives or civic life, God just basically says, here you go. You can have it. Here's the delusions, the lies that come when you reject the truth that is found in Scripture. Harvard University, living up to their own prophecies. <laughs> it's amazing times, friends.
It's amazing times. I, I bring you to the fact that Harvard University's theme is, or motto is Veritas, which means truth. 2015, Harvard started all this gender nonsense by uh, introducing the pronouns Zer, Zim, Zay, a and they to their student body so they could put it on the registration forms whatever they want to identify themselves with and the students could tell the professors who they were in other words the younger member of the tribe get to rule over the older members of the tribe isaiah chapter 3 your children and infants rule over you i remember because i told this to my church in 2015 and they're all like yeah that didn't really happen yeah it did happen and because harvard introduced gender pronoun dysphoria in their curriculum and in their and in their community. It was just kind of like trickled down to the rest of the university structure in the world. You see, Harvard kind of leads the way. And what we see happening is exactly what 2 Thessalonians 2.11 talks about. And it trickles down not just through the university system. It trickles down to the educational system of our youngest and most impressionable kids. I bring you now to Newport Beach, California, or Mesa, California, one of the two. They're kind of like a combined school district. And this week, a school teacher, an English teacher of a young grade, I think it's grade six or something, posted something to her TikTok. You're not going to believe this. I've been talking about this. When do we, as a country, replace the American flag with the gay flag? Because it's just a matter of time. And here's what this English teacher in Newport Beach, California, did. Check this out. Okay, so during third period, we have announcements and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always tell my class... Stand if you feel like it. Don't stand if you feel like it. Say the words if you want. Don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand but not say the words. Totally fine. Except for the fact that my room does not have a flag. It used to be there. But I took it down during COVID because it made me uncomfortable. And um, I packed it away and I don't know where. And I haven't found it yet. <laughs> But my kid today goes, hey, um, it's kind of weird that we just stand and then, you know, we say it to nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to find it. Like, I'm working on it. I got you. <laughs> in the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he, like, looks around and he goes, oh, that one? Yeah, this is where we are. This is where we are as a society when we have elementary school English teachers or I think junior high English teachers doing this to their children, doing this to the kids that we send to public schools. I am trying to implore you at this point, get your kids out of public schools because this is getting ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, in case you just think that's just a one-off, she also posted this to her TikTok account. It's Pride Month. June 1st. I'll never not be awkward. <laughs> That's fun for me. Happy Pride, everyone. It's June 1st, the start of Pride Month. Here's what I got going in my classroom. I got these flags from Target in like the dollar bin, so that's amazing. Um, they didn't have all of them in the collection that they came out with, so I got all the ones that they had. As well as the inclusive Pride flag. I pledge allegiance to the queers. I mean, this is where it is. At. That's what that's where we're at. I, I pledge allegiance to the queers uh, by a English teacher in a public school in America. Now, why do I share this stuff with you guys? Do I share this stuff to get you just outraged? No, no. She has her right to post her crazy. And she did. She posted her crazy on TikTok and she put it up. Virtue signaling garbage from the least educated, least informed, aware generation of, of teachers in our history. Like, she could have at least been a social studies teacher. <laughs> at least it's about social policy. But no, she's an English teacher. 
catering to and worshiping a fractional 3% of our country's population. The American flag is uncomfortable. Let's pledge to the gay flag. Oh, by the way, I share this with you so that you actually speak up about it and you don't have to be nasty when you speak up about it because it was, it's caused such a stir that the school system actually responded. This is from their own Twitter page, Newport Mesa USD Twitter page. A personal post by a teacher about the American flag is causing alarm slash concern. Respecting our flag is a value we instill in students and is an expectation of our staff. We take this matter with extreme seriousness and are investigating and addressing it. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know what? Maybe... Maybe we could actually share some flags with this teacher. Maybe we could send her some pictures of some U.S. flags that came back covered in coffins this week. Thirteen coffins, exactly. Of our servicemen and women who died to protect that teacher and her right to speech. But no... No, America is the most homophobic, xenophobic, racist country on the face of the earth. Wrong. It's the best country on the face of the earth. It's the most welcoming and inclusive country on the face of the earth. It's the most prosperous country on the face of the earth. It got that way because of this book. Not because it rejected this book. Now, is there hope? I think so. I found this actually today in the news out of that school district to put it up on the screen. Parents and community members surrounded the school sign with little flags that they stuck into the ground. Of course, there's a couple of gay flags there. Signs of life, maybe. But the signs of nihilism are abounding. And my friends, don't fall for it. Where do we go for answers? We go to Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And I want to say this as clearly as I can. If ever there was a time for Christians to not maintain a lackluster faith and a half-hearted Christian practice, it is now. I'm just telling you, half-hearted Christians are not going to survive the next two decades. They're not. Maybe beyond the next two decades. Do you know the number one feature of the end times that Jesus refers to again and again? We like to talk about the wars. We talk about the signs. We talk about the beast and 666. Do you know what Jesus kept talking about? He kept talking about the fact that most of the people that claim his name would be asleep. He says in Mark chapter 13, stay awake. This is verse 35. You don't know when I'm coming back. He might come when the cock crows or at midnight. Stay awake lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Matthew 24, 40. Two men will be in the field, one taken, one left. Two women grinding the mill, one taken, one left. Stay awake. You don't know on what day your Lord is coming. Romans 13, 11. The hour has come for you to wake from your sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Matthew 25, 5, the bridegroom was delayed. They all became drowsy. They all became drowsy and slept. That's the parable of the virgins. Not, Not surprising that they're sleeping when Jesus comes again because the disciples were sleeping when Jesus was dragged away to the cross. Remember that? When he was arrested, what did he find him doing? Sleeping. And I'm not cursing the darkness. I want to challenge the church. This is not the time 
to mail it in with your relationship with God. This is not the time to be one of those once a month to church Christians. This is not a time to think you can just go to church and that's what all that God wants from you. No, it's time to step up your game. It's time to give, to, to tithe, to put God first to serve in your church, to be involved in bringing the gospel to this nation. Because I'm telling you right now, no policy and no political leader can change the human heart. Only the gospel can. And how do we get the gospel out? We get the gospel out through your giving and through your serving and through your doing. As a Christian who's wide awake to the reality that Jesus is coming and we need to be found working when he cracks that sky. My final point in the deep end tonight is simply this. If you sleep, the seduction of this world will suck the life out of you. But as I, Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you to check your faith to wake up to what's happening. The signs are there. The question is, are you sleeping? Are you speaking up? Are you giving? Are you serving? Are you doing? Hey, you could help us. You could give to the deep end. That's, that's one way you can support the mission of Jesus. We're trying to get this content out further than ever before. And it is, you can help us out by doing the cash app, sending, sending however you can to support us. Hey, follow me on Twitter if you aren't already. Tim Hatch Live. Hit that like button hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell to be informed on your smartphone when we are live next. The world is dark. I know this has kind of been a dark episode, right? <laughs> but there is hope, ladies and gentlemen. There is hope. Guess what it is? Tomorrow we've got the deep dive Bible study with me right here on this channel, youtube.com slash Tim Hatch Live. Check us out on all of our social media channels. They are all simple at or forward slash Tim Hatch Live. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night on the deep dive. God bless everybody.